Hello, I'm Matthew Roth, and I'm here with Ethan Seaman, my producer, Louis Rio Volter, our NBA correspondent, and Alexander Schoenwelder, our soccer correspondent. Now let's start off with the NBA. Louis, take it away. Okay, now we will be moving into the NBA section of this podcast. First, I'm going to talk about the All-Star game. I'm not going to lie, it was kind of bad. The first half was actually pretty exciting. Some half-court shots were chucked up, some Giannis threes. But then in the second half, I mean, Team LeBron really started to take over. I mean, it wasn't even close, and we all knew it was going to happen too, just because of how many injuries Team Kevin Durant had. None of the, I mean, I guess a lot of the dunks had flair, but there's nothing we hadn't seen. I mean, the the twelve foot dunk, we he picked up a a thing. He couldn't have even come close to dunking with it. We saw Dwight Howard dunk on a twelve foot hoop. We've seen so many under the legs dunks. I mean, it's just getting repetitive. We want something new. I know that's hard, but I mean, it's just gonna if. The dunk contest is just going to be like this for now, every way. I mean, it's the only one of the main reasons that they even have it is for the NBA money. If they didn't make money, I mean, it wouldn't be there. So, but if fans stop going to it or getting tickets, I mean, who knows what could happen? Next, we're gonna we're gonna go over to a different aspect of the NBA in. Blake Griffin going to the Nets. They are huge final favorites. I mean, there haven't been many bigger favorites to win almost ever, except for maybe the some of the Bulls teams with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. I mean, you also got to shout out that that Warriors team. Um, yeah, that that Warriors team did. Yeah, dude, I think it's Rant Thompson. I mean that Warriors team a lot like the Nets team here. We have it is. They had they had their their they had Kevin Durant obviously. They had a good shooting guard and a good point guard in Harden. And on Andre Iguodala was great then. His defense he could be and that could be their Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin yeah. and Andre Iguodala. I mean, if I'm if I'm the Nets right now. I mean you're a you're a pretty built team. If you're the Nets, you actually have a better situation because the only bad thing about the Warriors was they didn't have a center. But then again, they picked up an old veteran in DeMarcus Cousins, which, again, they the Nets picked up Blake Griffin, an old veteran. And DeAndre Jordan as well. Exactly, DeAndre Jordan. They did trade away Jared Allen, but still, they got James Harden out of it. So I, I, think I also think it was a bad move for trading away Karis LeVert, but that's something we'll talk about later. I think that's a little bit because of Michigan, but okay. Next, we are going to go to my rankings. Number one, I have the Nets. They are, I think this is a no-brainer. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. And even their defense is starting to really come together. Number two, I got the Jazz. They've, they're only 6-4 and four in their last games, yet they still have the best record in the league. That shows how dominant they were earlier. But, I mean, this isn't how they were earlier. This is how they were now. And that's why, um, just a little little peek at the end of the list, there's going to be no Lakers in this list. I mean, they're 4-6 and six just because they did good with Anthony Davis paired with LeBron earlier this year. 
Doesn't mean that's not how they're playing now. So why, why put them there? Number three, I got a team that's really been, again, I always talk about how important this one signing or trade or, yeah, trade, sorry. This one trade. The Suns, I always talk about how Chris Paul, they're really working together, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And then DeAndre Ayton, he's doing his thing. And even Dario Saric is actually playing okay for his standards. Number four, 76ers. Again, cap space, I don't understand how they have any cap space with Embiid, Harris, and um, Ben Simmons, sorry. And even Seth Curry, he's pretty expensive too. So, but they've, yeah, they've been playing out of their mind and their lineup really shows you why. Number five, I got the Bucks. Giannis, again, he's not going to win MVP this season, but he's not having a bad year for Giannis standards. It's a little under average, but it's still okay. Six, I got the Clippers. Again, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing out of their mind. The rest of the team, not so much. A reoccurring theme in these rankings. I mean, nothing much to say about them except, well, that. Seven, I got the Blazers. Damian Dahl. He is, he, like, you can't even put into words how much he's carrying them on their back. And CJ McCollum is the only real resting point he has. If there was no CJ McCollum on this team, I don't know if Dan would do it, how Dan would do it. It, it would almost be like the Warriors without Clay Thompson right now. And number eight, I got the Celtics. Tatum, he obviously got the all-star to start. He shouldn't have been. He was on the bench, but Kevin Durant got hurt. So, you know, it is what it is. But I I still think that Jason Tatum's a really good player. Jalen Brown, obviously, also, he's amazing. Having a breakout year and a half. He's actually, he's probably going to win most improved player of the year. And number nine, I got the Nuggets. Again, I talk about this a lot. I mean, I talk about the same things in these rankings. It's kind of repetitive, except for with injuries, as you can see with the Lakers. The Nuggets, Jamal Murray, he's not been playing very well. He, he, we saw he had 50-point games, 40-point games in last year's playoffs. He played ballistic. He was He was a psycho. But then now, I mean... It's almost like a insanity thing where for like a couple weeks in the bubble, he had an amazing time, but that's it. And number 10, I got the Mavericks. Luka Doncic on that team. I Here's mean, all right. So let's start off with, of course, our game week. Actually, first, just a shout out to uh, Loyola Chicago for making it back into March again, but you know, they're, they're better than they were in 2018. So the game of the week, Ohio state, Illinois, Illinois, huge win versus Michigan. You know, I liked, I was going to say that game, but I like to choose closer games just because they're more exciting. Ohio state, Illinois, Illinois, number four, they're now number three, but oh, they came, they had the game on a nine, nothing run and Illinois, I think is they're one of the most clutch teams in college basketball. I oh, agree with that, and I mean, well, it, it really shows, and Io DeSumo also, he played amazing. I mean, if he's 
when he plays with that team, I mean, it's hard to stop them. Um, I mean, you could stop them. I think Michigan, Ohio State, were close. They were close to stopping them. They just fell apart, like a lot of their games. All right. So now that leads me to other questions. Illinois beat Michigan by a bunch earlier in the week. Uh, my question, first question is: Can Michigan bounce back in the Big Ten tournament and also largely March March Madness? What do you Again, think? it depends who they end up going against. If they go against, again, like Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, maybe not. But if they go yes, against like, some like, shitty... But like, can they bounce back? Like, if they were to play Illinois again, can they bounce back? Can they just be better? Like, I mean, yeah, fine. They could... Bouncing back, fine. They could beat maybe... I don't know, maybe... Maryland, if they were to play them, but like, can they like play well? That's tough, but I think they can just because they proved it. They had a three week break, yet they still they played they right when they came back from that. But this is a different scenario. Losing that this that's not a common theme in Michigan for this year. I'm not sure about that. But a lot of their other years, they've had many losses. So I think they know how to come back from that. They're used to it. Yeah, they are used to it. But, I mean, losing this Sunday, losing on Sunday to Michigan State, not a good loss even though it was a meaningless game. But then the Illinois loss really shows a lot to be desired for Michigan shooting and shot selection. And if if Michigan plays badly in, in um, the Big Ten tournament, you never know. They might drop to a two seed. Yeah, I think that would be very unlikely, but we'll see what happens. All right, my second question is, like, what team do you think is going to be a very clutch team in March? In March, a very clutch team. That's... Well, I'm going to go first. I think uh, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, Cade Cunningham, uh, Big 12 Player of the Year, and uh, arguably, maybe Wooden Award winner, maybe not. But Kate Cunningham and Oklahoma State will do so well. And I think Oklahoma State is more than Kate Cunningham. I mean, we saw other guys on that team like Matthew Moncrief doing very well. All right. And then my third question, of course, is who do you think is the best player in college basketball? A lot of people are saying Luca Garza, but what do you think? You mean, who do you think is going to win the award, or who do you think is the best? Because those are two different things. I who is, who is the best player in college basketball, according to you? The best player in college basketball. Well, for me, it's between Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley. I don't think it, it's Luca Garza, especially for the NBA, because he uses his size. I mean, once you get up there, size isn't used too much unless you're facing a small, unless you're a small guy. But centers play centers. Centers are tall in the NBA. And so I don't think Luka Garza, but for me, I think it's going to be Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Like you said, Big 12 player of the year. He really leads his team. He's the main reason they get wins. If he wasn't on their team, they would just be dead. I mean, they wouldn't be good at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's questionable. But of course, uh, I think if I had to choose a player, despite all the talk of saying Luca Garza is not going to be good in the NBA, I still very much think it's going to be Luca Garza, and I. I like Luka Garza because he can shoot the ball and he's very good at posting up on people. Now, in the NBA, that will be different. But in college, with like the guys he's playing against in the Big Ten, you he's most likely to have good games, and I think it's Luka Garza. Now, I mean, we did see when Iowa played Michigan or Illinois, like Garza got smothered by Kofi Coburn, Dickinson, I mean, even on Michigan, Austin Davis. But I still am pretty sure it's Luca Garza. All right, so now I'm going to go to my top 10. I'm going to start off with number 10. Before you go, I want to switch it up a bit. I want to ask you a surprise question. Who do you think, out of anyone in college being drafted this year or any year, who do you think will be the best in the NBA? Well, it's obvious. Kate Cunningham. I mean, he can can shoot the ball. He's – Great on all st- sides of the floor. I mean, who else? All right, so now my top ten. I'm gonna go with number ten, Ohio State. Ohio State, you it doesn't seem like they're on a five game losing streak, but they are. Lost to Michigan, and then Michigan State, then Iowa, then then they then they just lost to Illinois. Fine, four game losing streak. But Iowa, when you're on a four game losing streak, despite it doesn't matter who you're playing. It's not good to have a four-game losing streak. There you go. So I think they're at 10. Number nine is surprise team. Usually a football school, not not great in football, usually better at football than they are at basketball. Got Arkansas. They came off of a huge win uh, at Alabama by 15, and they've been looking hot since. And you know what? Wait, I'm going to answer that question you asked about who you think is going to make a run. I think Arkansas. They are on a, what, 10-game winning streak, I think, something crazy like that. And they're one of the hottest teams in college basketball. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Don't think Arkansas is going to be making a run with the competition they will have in college basketball. Of course, number eight will be Houston. Despite losing to Wichita State a few weeks ago, Houston's still a great team with uh, Quinton Grimes and – they're going to keep staying hot. I don't think they're a clutch team. They're not going to make a run, but they are a great team in the regular season. Now, of course, at number seven. Jackie, are you ready for? All right, so let's go with number seven. I have Oklahoma State. Despite losing to Baylor, I'm going to give every loss to Baylor, every team that loses to Baylor, a free pass because Baylor's a great team. Now, of course, Oklahoma State. They have Cade Cunningham. They have other great guys. I talked about him earlier. Louis did, too. Cade Cunningham, this team is a great team. They have a huge chance to make a run in March. Number six, of course, is Alabama. Alabama, despite losing to Arkansas, I think they're still the best team in the SEC conference. The SEC is not very good, but they're still the best team in the SEC conference. Now, number five will be Michigan. Michigan lost to Baylor, to Illinois and Michigan State. Uh, and I think they, they weren't prepared for Illinois. They weren't, didn't play well at home versus Michigan State. And, of course, 
yesterday was a meaningless game, but still they didn't play well. So Michigan at five. Number four, Iowa. Iowa, they lost to Michigan two weeks ago by 22. Michigan then, you give them a free pass for losing to Michigan. But Iowa's been great. They beat Ohio State by 16, and they've just been hot with Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, and Jordan Bohannon. Number three, I have Illinois. Illinois, a monster win versus Michigan. Um, and they had a huge win versus Ohio State as well. Now, of course, we have number two, Baylor. Now, Baylor has been, they lost to Kansas, but they've been looking good since. They've bounced back from that loss in a huge way, and they're going to make a huge run when we get to March Madness. Now, number one, of course, Gonzaga. I'm tired of them being number one. I want to see another team. All right, now let's take it over to soccer. So now we will go to the soccer section of this podcast. So we did have a few big derbies and games this weekend, starting off with Liverpool-Chelsea. So Liverpool have lost many games at home now, and they just don't look like the team they used to be. And I think they're just going to try to put all their their marbles into Champions League and hope that they win that. Make a deep run into Champions League. But they did lose 1-0 to Chelsea, who are in very good form now. And Thomas Tuchel, I think it was the right decision to hire him. Our next game was the shock of the week, and no one was expecting this. It was the Manchester Derby, and Man U won 2-0, right? No one was expecting this because Man City had 21 games unbeaten. And then they lost. No one was really expecting it. Everyone knew um, Man U was going to park the bus and like hope that they could hit Man City on the counter. And in the first two minutes, they got a pen, and they That's took it from there, and there was nothing else. And then they scored another goal, and that was just put what put Man City in dead waters. Uh, and then you also, and then our next game is also a derby. It's the Madrid derby, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, one one. This is probably the best result for Barcelona because they, both teams, want they have now leeway on Real Madrid. Atletico still has a game in hand, but Barca are only I believe two points behind them. And will be five points if they win their game in hand. But it, it was a good game. And if it weren't for Benzema scoring late, it would have been, could have been bad for Real Madrid. And they could have been down and out of the, out of the um, title race. But they did pull it back. I do want to say something. Re- I thought you were lucky to get a point. Like, I actually watched the game yesterday. In, I don't think you saw this, but in the first half, there was a handball that was out, like that was like out, like fling like outside of the player. So, I I like the commentators were saying that should be a pen, but the ref disallowed it. So think of how that would have affected the Madrid derby. Yeah, it it could have been influential. It could be real, but instead, Atleti parked the bus thinking they could get away with a one-zero win, like the Jose Mourinho style. But they, but they like they screwed it up at the end. Yeah. And then in our next one, Juve versus Lazio. Juve won three one. It was um. Juve haven't been the best lately, and be, because of the unexperienced coach Andrea Pirlo. But credit to him, he's done well with big teams. 
he's beaten AC Milan. He's beaten Lazio now. I think he's finally learning how to be a good manager. Juve were down 1-0 in the first half, but then Adrian Rabio and Alvaro Morata were the unexpected goal scorers. The, the, the Juventus team actually played much better without Ronaldo, which is kind of shocking because Ronaldo's always starting, but they don't do well with his with him in the game. So, will Andrea Pirlo drop Ronaldo, or will Ronaldo continue to play even though he didn't play? In our next one, it was Atalanta versus Inter Milan. Inter Milan have been on a really good streak, and I mean, it was a one of their like sloppy games. Like they didn't have that much shots. They Atalanta had had much more shots, more of the ball. It wasn't Milan's best game, but they got the three points at the end of the day. And they're now six points clear at the top of Serie A. And could that mean they're getting away with the title? The next one is Bayern versus Dortmund. This is probably the best derby of all. A 4-2 classic. Erling Holland had two goals in the first ten minutes of the game. But Bayern came back and they scored four goals. Two in the last two minutes of the game before stoppage time. Robert Lewandowski got a hat trick, and I think he should be the player of the week. In my, in all honesty, that was the overall. That was the best game. Now, to now we'll take it over to our question of. So, what comes next for Barcelona? Right, they're in a financial crisis. They're, I believe, like millions of dollars in debt, and they just got their new president, Joan Laporta. So. He was previously president when Pep Guardiola was the coach, and we saw how that turned out. Messi also won four straight Lollonsaurs, and that was also amazing. So we'll see. He, we, I mean, a lot of th- people are saying if he, if um, he wasn't like become president, then Messi, I don't know. They don't think Messi now. There's a higher chance that he does stay. Which it will be good for Barcelona because, I mean, they need all the help they can get right now. I mean, I I don't think he'll stay because the rumors have been floating that he's bought a house in Paris. Why would he be doing that if he wants to stay? Like Paris Saint Germain, he's been linked with for so much. Is it signaling that Messi doesn't want to renew his contract? And plus, apparently Juan Laporta has agreed deals with. Hector Bellerin, if he signs for, um, if he's the new president, that will be more wage. And they also want to sign Juan Bernat on a free. Yeah. Barca are playing really risky. And can they actually sell these players? Like, who want them? Because Messi is the only one that people are interested in. You can say what you want. Yeah, I think that, like, the thing with Messi is that, like, we have to think, he has three young kids. Does he really want to go to France? Like, we don't know. He might not want to go to France, like, as a person for his kids. So, like, we don't know. I mean, like, he. I think it's more likely for him to go to Man City, but those rumors kind of died down. But I could see him going. I don't see him going to France. I don't know. I think that at the end of the day, he may just be like, you know what, Barca's my place and I'll stay there. But we'll see. But also to 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 something else, 
without the fans coming in, they they're not making revenue. They're not making revenue. So until fans can come back, Barcelona are not making anything, and they're actually like wasting more money by spending it on Messi. So what I would do is I would release Messi, terminate his contract. And that way, you can sign Hector Bellerin, Juan Bernat, and all these other really good players that will de- help transform your team. But Messi also destroying the team, okay? I also the other thing is like, do Barca really want to go down the road of buying players? Right? We know they're in debt, and Joan Laporta has gone out and said we can't go and buy an Erling Haaland until we're out of debt and we have the money, right? And Messi can leave on a free. So, really, think about, they really have to think about how they want to do this. But then there's also the option, right? We've seen Kuman bring out five young talents who are going to shape Barca for the better, right? Two of them, their contracts are coming to an end, right? So we have Oscar Minguesa, Elias Mariba, who did score his first goal this weekend. It was um, a- Yeah, Ricky Pooch. Um... Pedri, and obviously Ansu Fati, who they just um, renewed his contract. But all five of those players could be Barca's future, right? They've developed them all in La Masia, and they could be Barca's future, right? Depending on what road they want to go down. right? We've also seen that Oscar Mingesa doesn't have as many suitors, but Elias Mariba, many clubs have already been putting in offers for him, even though, and his, even though his contract isn't up till next year because a lot of clubs want him. And I wouldn't, I'm not surprised why. He's amazing. And I think that we just have to see what um, Laporta wants to do. We've seen him say they don't have the money. So I think that leads us to believe um, that he wants to develop the academy the way he did when it was Messi and and um, Iniesta and Xavi. Yeah, Xavi. Like he wants to develop that academy and he wants to make it a, an academy team and not just a bunch of money like some other teams. And I think that really is important because that's what Barca is. They're, they are probably the best academy in the entire world. And that's like what they have to do opposed to other teams who sometimes are like, oh, let's spend a bunch of money on buying Mbappe, buying this player, buying that player. And sometimes it's just good to grow your academy. Because they grow up with the system, they are ingrained into the system, so they know exactly what they want to do. And now we're going to take it over to our power rangers. Oh, to add on, if Juan Laporta wants to like sell his be- like his future um, prospects, that's stupid because those are the players that will help Barcelona in the few in the upcoming years. But instead, he wants to waste that like he's done in the past, like Barcelona has done in the past. If Barcelona are lucky that they don't, they're not, that they don't have to sell their best players right now because Valencia, they're going through a crisis. But if, I, but if Barcelona do sell their players, I mean their youngest players, they're gonna do well. Like they're gonna, they, they're not gonna be bankrupt anymore. Yeah, but the thing with selling young players is they're your future as a club, right? You yeah. need them or else your club is going to struggle in the future. And sometimes, right now, Barca needs to look to their future instead of holding on to these old players who are just going to hurt them in the long run. So now we're going to move on to our power rankings. Okay. So, yeah. I, I can say. So at number 10, we have Atalanta Bergamo. Yes, I know they just lost to Inter Milan, but the 
their latest run has been pretty well. That they haven't lost the game since like before the inter game, and they deserve a shout out. But some teams slipped up this week, so it was hard to decide in the top five weeks. Yeah. So at number nine, I don't know if they would really be here if they hadn't beaten arguably the best team in Europe. Like so, they beat Man City two nil, and that deserves you a place on the top ten. And they're still second in the in the Prem, right? Which is no, which is no minor accomplishment. Well, I mean, with Liverpool out, maybe it is, but they're playing horrible. But like, I guess they're playing pretty well, and I think that they do deserve a spot at the num- at number nine, and that's really like where they where they belong because they are playing well. They just haven't been getting those three points week in week out that sometimes you just need to get. Yeah. So, in number eight, it is Chelsea. Ever since that draw against Man U, they've been, they've been putting in amazing displays. And I think that Havertz is turning into an amazing player. In the two games Havertz has played when he started, he has done okay. But today, he showed his worth. He played as a false nine in Tuchel's team, though that did result in Timo Werner not doing the best. So, what would... What would Chelsea's formation be to help Werner and um uh have perform? Yeah. But overall, they did really well against Everton and Liverpool, and they're bi- they're big teams. Like, but I mean, Liverpool has been losing lately, and I think it's unacceptable for Liverpool's standards to lose six in a row. Six. Yeah, and then in number seven, uh, Real Madrid. Uh, they've done. They even though they've tied two games lately, they've been against two big teams. But in their previous three, they won them. So they've they've been they've they haven't lost a single game in five game in five games. So yeah, they just yeah, they're kind of like Chelsea almost. They draw, they don't score a lot of goals, but they do get the results. Yeah. So, at number six, we have Barcelona. We'll see. The Champions League is really going to be their test. And we'll see whether they can stand up to the challenge or whether they'll crumble crumble again under the pressure. But, right now, with their youngsters, like we said before, and Elish Mariba playing like, like he's been playing for four or five years, I mean, they look like they are going to be a strong team. And I think that... The La Liga title race a few months ago, we were calling it, oh, Athleti's going to win, Athleti's going to win. I think they're going to give Athleti a run for their money. They will give the run for their money, which is going to make the La Liga a great, like it's going to be like a standout this year. Yeah, which, which we haven't seen for a couple of years. Like Barcelona and Real Madrid last year went at it pretty hard, but it wasn't really like anything like special like we've seen that before so i think it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out yeah so number five is leipzig yeah they, i mean i i kind i i might be a little biased but they're they're just a, like they have rich owners which makes them like they can get good players but they do get the results and they're in second place which is Five years ago, they just got promoted to the Bundesliga. Now, they're in the champ. Now they're in Champions League. But 
They 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 haven't they haven't won a game. I mean, they haven't lost a game in a while. But their biggest test is going to be when they play Dortmund and Bayern because when they played against Mönchengladbach, they were losing 2-0. But then they turned it around. That do, that does show their worth. But a team like Bayern, they make the comebacks. We saw it this week. Yeah. And then in number four, it's Lille. The French League didn't play this week, but Lille have still been great a, a great team. Like they're they're still first. Even though PSG has mounted the pressure on them. Yeah, they're just mm, I don't know what to say. Yeah, to add on, they're just like they're actually making League One interesting, right? Like they're not just making it boring like some years. And like I think that like PSG and like um, Leon and Monaco are actually like they're like whoa and Lil I mean they got I think they're out of Europa so now everything's in it for them and getting into um League One winning League One so at number three yeah. at in in the ten years in the past ten years of the League One uh, I think this is the most dramatic league and this is the most dramatic year in soccer primarily League One. Uh, Bundesliga, La Liga, they're all really tight, especially in the Premier League. You can be in seventh place right now in the Premier League, so of one game, and then you can get to thirteenth place. So yeah, I think that like everywhere except the obviously the title race is probably Man City, but like everywhere outside there, it's pretty close, and everything really close in all the other leagues as well. Well, not the Scottish League. Rangers have dominated it, but yeah, most of the leagues. Yeah, and I think that's why soccer is a Really interesting sport. Yeah. All right. So, at number three, we have Inter Milan. Even though they didn't play well against um, Atalanta, they still got the results. And at the end of the day, all you need is three points. Like, if you ask yourself, would you rather play really well and lose or tie, or would you rather not play so well and be, and win, right? You would rather win and not play so well. Although it's sometimes good to play a better game, at the end of the day, what's important is those three points. And I think right now that's just like being shown um, by Inter Milan. And they haven't played so well since they've been able to just win those matchups. And that's like a good thing. And I mean, we'll continue to see how it will develop and if they actually can win. At number two, right, this is kind of a surprise, but we have Man City. He lost to Manchester Derby. And we have to put them at two instead of one. And I mean, they have been outstanding before that, and they were the best team in the world. And I mean, if they get back to their winning ways, they still will be the best team in the world. But for the time being, we'll see how they will go about it, and we'll see whether they whether they can bounce back from this loss or not. Okay, and number one is Bayern Munich. They have averaged about four goals per game in the last three games they played, and they've done phenomenal. They won against Anshield. They won against Köln. They won against Dortmund, with all big results. They that they should. They, it shows why they're the best team in the world. No team can come up against them and score five. Like they. Their defense is shaky, but their attack is phenomenal. Robert Lewandowski, I'm telling you right now, got robbed of the Ballon d'Or. He's going to score 40 goals this season or more. He could possibly even score 60. So, 
the Ballon d'Or people. Tell me why you're not giving it to Robert Lewandowski. Why? Yeah, he does deserve it. I mean, we'll see because there are plenty of other people who be, who might like argue like, oh, there are these people or other people like. I mean, Messi and Ronaldo obviously always contenders, but I mean, there there are always going to be those people who are going to be haters, and they're not going to be like. They're just going to be like, no, why would I give it to him? No one's ever heard of him. Why would I give – like, sometimes the Ballon d'Or can be a little, like, biased, and they won't give it to the person who really deserves it, just the person who, like, would be – like, people would be like, oh, yeah, I know that person. And, like, oh, yeah, I know they're good, right? Like, sometimes it's just about, like – and that just about wraps it up for this pod, for this podcast. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thank uh, you. Bye.